Radio.com. Welcome to the lowdown. It's Friday. That means the entire week. And many people listening to us today have Monday off too, including us. Yeah, baby. I'm not a big fan of holidays, but I'll take this one. Last night, Oilers did not play well in St. Louis. The referees were wildly unfair. Oilers PK also unfair. Oilers in Dallas tomorrow afternoon. Calvin Pickard will start. They have to be better, and they will be. You can catch us on sports1440.ca, iHeartRadio, Radio Player Canada, on Apple and Spotify podcasts. Text or call us 1-833-401-1440 on Twitter at Low Tide, at Donovan Paulson, at Declan Kruger. The lowdown is driven by Wolf GMC Buick. On the corner of 184th Street and Stony Plain Road, hurry in for amazing deals days. Today's the last day. 0.99% financing plus a $10,000 cash discount only remaining at in-stock Denali half-tons. Visit WolfGMCBuick.com. Busy day. We're going to be talking to you about the Oilers. I know you'll have rage in the cage. I know you're mad at Connor Brown. I don't know why, because he played well last night. Let's let's start the roundtabling with our friend Declan, because we have Tyler Uramchuk, we have Saad Yosef at The Athletic, and we have declinations, but this is like the double album. This is like Exile on Main Street. Yes. Because to explain to everybody what it is and how it's going to work. This round table, you mean? Or life. Or life. Well, I mean, life, I don't have all the answers for. I'm not even going to try and pretend. I'm just going to try and stick to the orders. Most of the answers. No, I'm not even going to try and pretend. I was trying to think of something witty. I was trying to think of something off the top. That's not what I'm here for. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that disservice to anybody. You talked earlier in our our pre-show meeting about Connor Brown having four high danger chances. I think he played well. I agree. Wasn't on there for any power play goals against. The lack of discipline was something I thought hurt this Oilers team. Granted, they only gave up two power play goals and eight chances. So, you know, if you're going to give up eight penalties, that's probably one of the best scenarios you can hope for outside of not letting a goal up uh, overall. Yeah, he played okay. He got to the net a little bit. I, um... I, I still think he needs to finish. Getting high-danger chances aren't enough. I still think I need to see him do more. I need to see him convert those chances, especially like if you said we're going to give him a shot in the top six. I'm not sold he's deserved that chance. Um, it was a performance to be forget to be forgotten. Uh, on to Dallas. It is what it is. These games happen. You watch it once, you burn the tape, and you move on. So the declinations coming up at 1 o'clock, can you tell us a little bit about what it is and how it's going to work? I would love to. We're going to be doing the top five dynasties in sports history and uh, this one came from Donovan today we were tossing some ideas around uh, obviously the Chiefs just won their third in five years there's t- there's talk of them being a modern day dynasty we live in a city that has some very historically uh, relevant dynasties I thought it was perfectly apt Donovan thought it was perfectly apt so we're going to do that today looking forward to it that's one o'clock beautiful so for you last night I, I like for me I, I knew Connor Brown has not played well he does not cover the contract I totally get it but I don't think he's the worst forward on the team I think if you're going to draw Gagne or somebody else in or call someone up, there are other candidates. And four high danger chances on the fourth line doesn't happen every day. Where are you with Connor Brown? And would if Gagne ro- draws in tomorrow, is he the guy you pull out? Okay, I'll be honest. Um, Connor Brown, to me, I wouldn't be pulling him out. Especially, I thought he did play well last night. He hit the post. It, it's tough. You you want to see him score, but at the same time, I'm keeping him in and taking out Matisse Anmark again. I just don't think Matisse Anmark has really cut it this season. Yes, does he have one more goal than Connor Brown? Yeah, but it's it's banked off his chest and in. So it's, is it really his goal? I know it is on the stat sheet, but is it really? So 
I would keep in Connor Brown. I think he played well enough to to stay in the lineup. But I, I think the big issue from from last night's game was was obviously the penalties. Um, the seven consecutive penalties was the was the stat I believe. So, but it wasn't all the players. The the, the referees were just like out of control. I I know, but still, you you, you took seven straight penalties. It's well, that's never going to be a recipe. Declan made a good point though. Like, they, but I I do not like the power play. They've given up seven PK goals in the last four games, but they got a lot of them last night. Here's one thing. Let me let me ask you. I will start with you this time, Donovan. Why is it that Oiler fans? are so down on Connor Brown, and I get it, I understand. But, you know, Vincent Darharnay has not been playing great lately. And I think that, that last night there was a lack of discipline. He ended up getting four instead of two. I'm not saying, I, like, I think they should sign him. But I also think that, that there are players on this team who have, have to reach that point where, not a panic point, but a point like, okay, maybe I'm living on my laurels a little bit. Maybe I'm living on reputation a little bit. They haven't been as strong as they should be. I get the regression. I totally get it. You can also play well and lose. Right now, they're not playing well and losing. Um, yeah, no, the they, they didn't look good. To your point, Vincent DeHarnay. I thought when when Chris Knobloch originally first came in, Vincent DeHarnay, that was the best we've ever seen him play, and I think that was kind of the peak of Vincent DeHarnay. Now I think we're seeing him come back down to earth a little bit here, and to to your point. The, the four minute penalty for for him you know essentially yapping off to the to the ref yeah, and he was a fr- and I get it but you can't do it y- exactly you can't do it you've already taken another penalty prior to that that original penalty so y- you can't take your your stars off the ice for it was essentially six minutes straight right you're that's not a recipe for success and Vin- Vincent DeHarnay I, I don't know. Would, I think he's kind of forcing your hand to acquire another defenseman here, don't, don't you? Yep. My, well, they'll get a seventh guy, but it'll be a seventh guy. My biggest thing about the difference between Connor Brown and Vincent DeHarnay is I think for the vast majority of the season, or maybe not vast majority of the season, but certainly recently, Vincent DeHarnay has exceeded expectations on what he is and what he was thought to be. Connor Brown was the guy who was bought in with brought in with this $3.2 million bonus after 10 games. He was brought in to be a top six winger. He was brought in to be a guy that could be thought to play on Connor McDavid's line. He was brought in to, to be a guy who could be a home run guy and go out there and get you 25, 20 goals this season. And not only has he underperformed expectations, he has not even remotely lived up to one-tenth of the expectations. And Oilers fans look at this guy as he was the big splash in free agency, right? He was the one move they kind of went out and made. He was brought in to do something, and not has he not semi lived up to it he hasn't come close and I think Vincent DeHarnay like I said he's a guy who has over exceeded expectations Connor Brown has so far underachieved that that's where the point of contention comes from yeah and I, I'm, I'm all over that but what I'm saying is last night Connor Brown played well and there's a lot of of vitriol again you know why is he even playing I think you have to be fair about this. You know, it's okay to say sure. DeHarnay had a really good, has had, I mean, I think he's been a revelation in the NHL. I didn't think, any, I don't think anybody thought he would have the impact. He's a long guy. It's hard to get by him. I totally get it. They should sign him. I'm all on board with that. But with Brown, you know, I said it yesterday. If 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 you're going to have him on the roster and play him, and I don't think he's the, the worst forward they have on that roster, then and he gets four high danger chances on the fourth line. If you're if you are if you hold out any hope that he's going to be something, I think you do look at him. Uh, there, if the four if the top line and pairing play as poorly in Dallas as they played last night, there is going to be a shuffle. 
There just is. And I know they're not enamored with Fogel. Uh, I would put Fogel on the second line. Holloway, I thought he... Did, well, let me ask you guys this. I thought the dry side of the line was okay last night. It wasn't great. They didn't score a lot, not a lot of high danger chances, but it was okay. What did you think, Declan? Yeah, I mean, they didn't blow me away. I thought their line was fine. I thought they certainly played better than McDavid's line in the defensive zone. Like, we, what was it, three goals, five on five for McDavid's line? I mean, that's just obviously not conducive to winning hockey. I don't care how off, how offensively talented that line is. You can't give away goals like that, five on five, and expect to find any type of success. Yeah, I thought the, the Dreisaitl line was okay. They didn't blow me away. I always expect a little more when it's run by a guy like Leon Dreisaitl, but I don't think there's necessarily anything to really hammer home about. What about you? Um, yeah, yeah, they were they were okay. Uh, Dylan Holloway, he works really hard, and I've I've loved what I've seen with from the work ethic. He's like a he's like a busy busy bee out there, right? He he works hard. Leon was was fine. They, they were just fine. McDavid's line was kind of a dumpster fire in their own zone, right? They were then they made mistakes uh, in the previous game too. Yes. Nuge couldn't get the puck out. Remember that play? Yeah, now it's becoming yeah. a trend. Yeah, a well, and uh, Kane ends up scoring, but it like you they had multiple chances. And I I love the Oilers skill, but they're not going to win a Stanley Cup if they keep turning over the pucks around the blue line and they do that a lot, and it's the skilled guys who do. Um so I would say based on post-All-Star game. I'm going to do this, and then we'll take a break. No, we'll, actually, we'll talk about NASCAR. I know Declan loves NASCAR. So, based on what has happened since the streak ended and the All-Star break, and then their, I'll say, uneven performance. Declan, are you are you still convinced this team can win the Stanley Cup? Are you Are you thinking they have to add more than you thought of the deadline? Or is this just the world turning as it should? A loaded question. I do still... I think they certainly have the pieces to win a Stanley Cup. I would like to see one more addition. I think for a lot... We, uh, for a long time, we thought a top six forward, a top six winger. Now I'm starting to think there does need to be something to bolster that defensive the defensive core. Um, I think they can get to a Stanley Cup, but the eye test certainly makes me a little bit more nervous than I was during the streak, naturally, right? We see a lot more mistakes, a lot of def- oh, a lot of defensive zone irresponsibility by, by some guys. You can't have make those mistakes. So do I still think they can win a Stanley Cup? Yes. Are they the odds-on favorite in my mind? No. Do I think something needs to change to bolster this roster? Yes. What about you, Donovan? I think they can still win. Uh, I don't think they're going to be – obviously, they're not going to win if they continue to play this way and be so so hot and cold, right? Um, they're going to they're gonna need I, – I think this is kind of – this is a good thing. It, it shines a light on some of the inconsistencies and maybe the the the, the inadequacies of this roster, right? I think it really shows that they they do truly need to improve their fourth line. They need they need a little bit more size. They need they definitely need to fill that hole on the on the top six right side, and maybe it it also needs uh, it shows the need for that uh, for that extra defenseman. I I, I don't know. I, I think they can still win, but are they the big favorite that that everyone thought they were? No, I, I also don't think so. Uh, Godot, who's on my blog a lot, he said losing to Vegas has crushed them, crumbled them like it did a year ago. And 
I think there's there's one more game between Vegas and Oilers, I believe, this season. They The Oilers won an overtime in game one. Vegas won the recent game, so it's 1-1 between the two. And I think that last game of the year will be important because the Oilers have to push back. I thought the Oilers played well enough to win, but they didn't. And again, it was the goalie. And, you know, there are some times that there's a hangover from one particular game, and that oh, yeah. was built up, right, to be a big game. I mean, listen, this was the team that sent them home, right? And they had history on their side. Everything was firing, and it had been 16 in a row. They were going up against the team that sent them home in a matchup a lot of people thought was the Stanley Cup Finals of last year. They had it all working for them. They were flowing. They were going against their arch rivals, and they fell short. What that does to a team's confidence, I can only imagine – hinders you moving forward in a way that we can't express, right? So, listen... I, I totally get where that's coming from. I totally get that that was a huge deterrent in this team's confidence. I totally get that now they, you know, they have some semblance in their mind of getting away what got them to the dance and got them to that huge streak because of that loss to Vegas. But like you said, Aiden Hill played great. The Oilers played very well that game. They just ran into a hot goalie. They ran into a team that was playing very well. Those things happen. You can't take that one game at face value. You need to get back to what was happening during the entirety of the streak. So, question for both of you, and I'll start with you, Donovan. You walk into a bar, friend walks up to you and says, hey, you're the NASCAR fan. Do you say, yes, I am? Do you slap him or do you wait for him to continue the question? I'm going to wait for him to continue the question because I, I, I feel like that could go both ways, right? Mm. That could could provide for some interesting conversations, some interesting uh, bar activities, we'll say. Maybe there's going to be a, a little bit of a ruckus later. <laughs> we'll, uh, I, I, would, I would wait and see what happens. Declan, same question. Yeah, I mean, I'm probably playing that one out, right? I'm waiting to see what happens. I don't want to get, uh, I don't want my my uh, ego or my mouth to be too big for my bridges. I want to see how this one plays out. Assess the situation from there. Declan, are you surprised that Donovan, who's taken on the clergy, country mm. music, the Toronto Blue Jays, I don't remember what else. It's been a lot. Swifties, right? Pulp Fiction fanatics. So, oh my, I forgot about what a yeah. what a misstep. The that only was. thing left was the American South, right? Right. And he he chose not to do that with the Daytona 500. So, oh. is he losing his nerve? Is, is the, uh, the tech starting He's to He's gone to soft on us. Oh, no, well, I think Donovan's learned his lesson. He knows okay. He knows there's one group you can't mess with outside of all else. That is the American South. Do you think Donovan resents me personally and us as a group for not maybe protecting him, letting the, the, the rope go far enough for him to really you know do damage to himself? No, I think he's got to learn, right? All like right. he knows. Trial by fire. He's yeah, all for totally. it. He's happy about it. Well, he's smiling. Yeah, see, listen, that's what I'm talking about. He knows this is a learning curve. NBA All-Star Game, I'll call it now. Larry Bird wins the MVP. You guys got a favorite for the MVP? Oh, that's a great question. I am going to go Tyrese Halliburton. Hmm. I think Tyrese Halliburton wins it. Michael Jordan. Oh, good. He's going to come uh, come out of retirement for this one. You know what? He probably could. They'd, they'd feed him, right? Like, he'd get his shots. Well... You go, come on, guys. Stop. Oh. Stop this. <laughs> I think Michael Jordan's the GOAT, but this disrespect that he could come in and put up, you know, 40 against these guys today. I think he come could, on now. I mean, he could, he, could, he, could, he could dribble past LeBron. No, no problem. Oh, my goodness. Be absolutely Stop no. That would absolutely be, be no. That'd be no sign of damage on the doors or the hood. <laughs> you guys don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> okay, we'll give you that. LeBron could play. How... Is he, uh, how far from – he's he's past the halfway point of his career. We can oh, always, my goodness, yeah. is he ever. Yeah. I think – this is the thing about LeBron. You see a lot of guys who – when they when they when when a guy who has had a legendary long career 
hangs it up. They're averaging seven and three, right? And they're just kind of riding a bench. I don't think that's going to happen with LeBron. I think LeBron is still going to be a 26 and six guy when he retires, but it's just going to be time. You know what I mean? He's going to want to move on. He's not because LeBron has been the best player or had been the best player in basketball for 15 years, right? He had been the face of the league, one of the best players. Once you get to a stage in your career where you're still serviceable, you're still putting up great numbers, but you aren't as dominant as you once were. That's tough for a guy like LeBron to have to swallow, right? That's tough for him to face. I think he'll walk away when his numbers are still great, but he won't be one of the most dominant players in the league. Okay, so coming up, we have uh, pro hockey rumors, and then, or is it Saad? Okay, and then uh, we have Saad Yosef coming at 1240, and at 1 o'clock, it's Declinations, the double album, Exile on Main Street edition at 1 o'clock today, right here. This is the Lowdown with Low Tide on Sports 1440. It's the Lowdown on Sports 1440 for Wolf GMC Buick. Check them out. WolfGMCBuick.com. Amazing deal days. Final day today. Joined now by Saad Yosef from The Athletic. And Saad, people think their pin tweets are funny. Your pin tweet makes me laugh every time. Well done. Thank you, thank you. There, you know, it's uh, it, it's a true concept that uh, that definitely comes about with sports fans more than I think anybody else. It, it's true. I I I have said something uh, uh, like nice about people. I'll, I'll tweet something nice out about like oh I don't know Ryan Nugent Hopkins, and people will come back with why do you hate Ryan Nugent Hopkins? But your tweet, the one you pinned, is so true because. People take, they don't even worry about the context. They take one singular word and they ride off into the sunset with it. Yeah, definitely. And, and like I said, I think with, uh, with players, it's definitely more. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about the Dallas Stars who are, you know, they're, I always feel like they're frightening. And then I'm always surprised that they don't go farther in the playoffs, but they're in first place in the central. I'm not saying they're home and dry, but they're eight, one and one in the last 10. They look very good. They've got great scoring. They draft well. Um, and that, you know, at least some of their really good players can play the guitar and go to Tootsie's after the game and play. <laughs> uh, it's life is good for Dallas stars. Yeah, it is. I mean, like you said, they're right there at the top of the division. And I mean, really, they the, the big thing for them is that they've kind of been here, you know, all season long. And, and that's, that, that helps a lot in different ways because, you know, as, as you guys can probably tell up there in Edmonton, you know, when you kind of go into that hole and then have to dig yourself out, you're playing playoff hockey in November and December because, you know, at this point there are a lot of can't-lose games because you've dug a hole that deep. And, you know, we saw that in Dallas for years before – uh, the Pete DeBoer era where, you know, they'd start terrible and then they dig themselves out. And then all of a sudden, you know, it's playoff hockey in March. And, you know, that can be a positive because you're, you're playing with that intensity, but you know, you can also run out of gas. So I think for the stars sustainability, it's definitely been a positive thing as well. So I, I, I'm going to draw a parallel between uh, the Dallas Cowboys that you spent a lot of time on and the stars in that it seems like the regular season got that no problem really good win the division but the expectation of the playoffs at least in recent years uh has also been high and and maybe falling a little short there cowboys in the throes of figuring out the running game right now how important is it for the stars and and a secondary question how active might they be at the deadline because the expectation has been they'd go deep and it has not happened uh a lot recently so do you think there's a little bit of pressure there to to maybe make a move 
Yeah, I think I think there's definitely pressure because you know you talk about like they haven't gone deep. I mean, they have they are coming off of a Western Conference Finals appearance, and, and I think that ups the pressure even more because you know they hadn't gone deep a whole lot before that, aside from just you know that 2020 weird bubble year. But like uh, aside from that, they hadn't really made it past the second round since uh, since they went to the Stanley Cup Final. Uh, or yeah, I mean it had been a while, so. You know, I think for them, the pressure is on. The problem is that they don't want to give up their top prospects um, and they still want to get an impact top four defenseman. And, and it's going to be really interesting to see how Jim Neal is able to make that happen. Um, you know, one thing is that Jim knows the league really well and he has a good staff with Mark Janko and Scott White and the assistant GM roles. And he's usually been able to find a loophole or find a way to make things work. And, you know, the example I always point to is 2019 when he acquired Matt Zuccarello for two conditional first round picks. Um, The conditions were if they, I think if the stars made it to the conference finals, and then also um, if Matt Zuccarello re-signed in Dallas, neither of those things happened. So really they got Matt Zuccarello for, you know, zero first round picks at the end of the day. So I, I do wonder if, if Jim has something up his sleeve where he can, you know, find a way to do it, but he really doesn't want to give up his top two prospects in particular. Um, both who are leading the AHL in scoring are one and two right now. Well, I, I was going to ask you about that. I know you've had a look at uh, uh, Bork and Stankoven. They look NHL ready. I know that, that sometimes injuries occur, uh, and that allows you to, to have a longer look at them. But I've watched them uh, play the Bakersfield Condors recently, and they're too good for that league. Yeah, they are. And, you know, the, the Stars are in, the, they're in a very luxurious situation where they're so deep at forward. I mean, they have one of the best top nines in the league right now. When you look at their top line, as you know, has been one of the top, top lines in the NHL, one of the best lines in hockey. Uh, I'm talking about Robertson, Hinton, Pavelski. And that's not even been the Stars' top line this season. It's been, it's been uh, Marchment, uh, Duchesne, and Sagan. Uh, that's been the Stars' best line. Then you still have Robertson, Hintz, Pavelski. And one of their best young players is Wyatt Johnston, who's centering the third line right now with Jamie Benn. And right, it was Evgeny Dadunov for a little bit, but now it's going, it could be, you know, it could be one of these call-up guys. So you're right. They, they're, they're too good for the AHL. But also, you know, I went down there and I, and I talked to both of them and I watched some of their games. And one thing that I really did see is that they're making a very conscious effort to improve one thing at a time about their game. And, and they're focused on everything, but they're really honing in on things. Um, and I think that's going to serve them well to not just come up to the NHL, but then stick in the NHL. Saw Joseph, our guest from The Athletic. I, I, one thing about Dallas, I think I always spend a lot of time talking about Carolina, how well-built they are. But if you look at Dallas, they marble their talent. Like they've got uh, Wyatt Johnson is 20 and young and upcoming. Then they got Jason Robinson at 24. Rupe Hintz is 27. They marble through. They got the old guys, but they, they always seem to have a, a nonstop process of a, of a really good pipeline of talent. Yeah, and, you know, when they did stop doing that, that's when they came under the most fire. And it was a lot of, you know, they had a lot of misses in the draft from 2013 to, to 2016, I want to say. I mean, Rupe Hintz was definitely a home run during that in the second round of 2015, but... Dennis Gurionov was a first-round pick. Riley Tufty was a first-round pick. Julius Honka was a first-round pick. None of those guys panned out, um, you know, in any way here in Dallas. And so, um, and, and even Val Nichushkin, going back to, I think, 2014-15, you know, like he's 
he's a superstar in, in Colorado, but it didn't work out in Dallas. And so, you know, they whiffed on a lot of that. And that's where, you know, you saw a lot of uh, the stars management, everything coming under fire right around 2018, 19. And then that 2017 draft was just an absolute lifesaver. Um, when you get, you know, not just three superstar players, but you get three superstar players at every level. You get a top-tier defenseman in Miro Haskinen, a uh, top-tier goaltender in Jake Ottinger, and then a top-line winger in Jason Robertson. And, you know, to do all of that in one draft is really impressive. And then, you know, the guy that, you know, honestly we haven't even talked about who I think really needs to be talked a lot, about a lot more is Thomas Harley. And, I mean, for as good as Miro Haskinen has been, Thomas Harley has been just on another level this year. Uh, Haskinen is still the top defender and, you know, best defenseman. But Harley and what he's doing, um, the Stars did not expect him to be this good this fast. They are Whenever they draft in the first round, and I remember that, that uh, Harley's name got transposed, uh, and, and I always go, okay, as soon as they draft the player, I go, okay, well, he's really good. Because their, <laughs> their reputation is so strong that, that, you know, when they drafted Tidal Andrea, I thought, okay, I, di- I, I didn't really see him as being that. But if, if they say he is, then he must be. That's how I think their scouting staff does a hell of a job. And, and as you say, they had a bit of a lull, but they've rededicated themselves. And it, it's, it's vitally important. And they have a young goaltender, too. Are they, uh, how, are, how are injuries? Uh, uh, Dadenoff is out for what, six weeks? Yeah, four to six weeks from a, a week ago. Yep. So is that it? Is that the only uh, major issue? Yeah, that's all they're dealing with right now. I mean, you know, last year they were extremely fortunate. Uh, this year they've had their, their they've had their bumps in the road. Jake Ottinger missed a full month from mid December to mid January. Miro Haskinen missed most of January. Um, so they've definitely had their injury issues. Um, and uh, right now they just last night they lost Niels Lundqvist in the in, at the beginning of the game. Again, he's been kind of on the fringe of the lineup right now. And Evgeny Dadinov is a bottom six forward. So. Neither one of those are exactly death sentences or death blows to their uh, chances or anything. But um, but in terms of major injuries, yeah, they missed Haskinen and, and Ottinger for extended period of time. Um, but nothing that was uh, n- nothing that really sunk them in any way. Thanks for this so much. Enjoy the game tomorrow and uh, go Eagles. I'm sorry, I know you follow <laughs> you cover the Cowboys, but I'm an Eagles fan. And uh, uh, what, let's put it this way: one of those two teams has to win a Super Bowl here in the next five years. How's that? Yeah, well, let me say you 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 actually you know it's it's surprising how kind you are and uh, and that you're an Eagles fan, but you know um, I, I guess I guess there are exceptions to the rule. Well, I don't live in Philly, so maybe that's part of it. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Absolutely, great catching up with you. There you go. That's Saad Yosef uh, from the Athletic. Really good stuff. I, I every year, you know, Dallas is not a team that I watch a lot just because they're in the other division, and I'm usually caught up with watching. Uh, something from the Pacific. But whenever I watch them, I'm like, oh, man, I remember Harley. And they seem to – they the, the Dallas Stars draft guys, you forget about them, and then they emerge fully formed. Like when I'll tell you, when Maverick Bork and Logan Stankhoven arrive in the NHL as full-time players, people are going to be amazed by them. They're very good players already. And I, I know that Oilers fans are, well, why can't the Oilers do that? But the order, Broberg has been overcooked down there. Bouchard was overcooked. The orders under Holland, their their template for development is more similar to Dallas than it's ever been. They don't push guys like they used to. You know, when when Steve Tambellini was the general manager, when Mac T was the general manager, when Shirelli was the general manager, Shirelli oversaw Yesapol Yarvi, who wasn't ready. 
uh, Evan Bouchard, who wasn't ready, and Kyler Yamamoto, who weren't, was not ready. They arrived right in the National Hockey League. Like, the draft is in June. They're here in October. I think this is a better plan. It's more frustrating for fans, but I think it is a better plan. Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I I listen, I get the fan frustration, um, but I think the point the Oilers are in now, I do think that is probably the way to go. There's no need to rush things. I think the championship core pieces are there, right? We don't need to rush anybody into anything. You talk about guys like Broberg, Borgo, Lavoie, whoever it may be. Uh, I like them getting I like them down in Baco, developing a little bit, getting some minutes, getting a feel for the speed of the game at the next level. So yeah, I mean listen, if that's the uh, Dallas Stars model the way you say it is, I think uh, I think I'm on board. By the way, people are upset because they thought it was Tuesday when you played the twang. Did you get that? <laughs> I, I I did see that. Yeah. So uh, I apologize to all of you who thought I it got was it Tuesday. though. It was Texas, right? Like all my exes yeah, live in exactly. Texas. That was that was the whole point behind yeah. that. So um, nothing gets by us. No, we, got we, we, we picked know, that up. Man. Yeah. Oh yeah. We, Texas. We made the connection. Exactly. I, yeah. I was hoping that everybody would make the connection. But hey, you know what? If you thought it was Tuesday and magically it's Friday, wouldn't you be happy? Bonus, bonus. That, that's a massive bonus. Plus, you get a long weekend out of this. So. Also, what a cultural impact your show has that one country <laughs> song makes people think it's a different day of the week. Think, that is impressive. Well, sir. I think that's using hyper. We were all good until that statement. <laughs> no, we're okay. um, although I, do, I, I have to say that I am pleased that, that Twang Tuesday has a... You know, some has kind the of following. A, it well, does. It has a yeah. you know a little bit of a following. Um, Ontario Moms says the Oilers need an entire fourth line. I don't think spending it all on Gensel is the way. Send out Fogel and a pick for Carrier. Send out a uh, pick for Mantha. Uh, use your first on a right-handed center. Uh, can be your three C second right winger. Kevin Hayes would be my guy. Doubts age worries me, so spend the first on an older. It worries me to spend a first on an older 4C. I see three moves at most. There's going to be a number seven defenseman. There's going to be a, a two-way winger uh, for Leon's line. And then there, I think there will be a right-headed fourth line center. And I think Dowd might be it. I think Mr. Gregor might be onto something there. But Well, here's the question. If you're bringing Dowd, are you bringing them back Malinson along with him? Well, I hope so because yeah. we've heard so much about him and I don't know a thing about him. So I'd like to get to know what he's Right. Doing. And I mean, it just seems like in, in principle, that is a package deal now from what we've heard. What if Gregor gets it? Like, what is he going to be like? If he like and they nail it, it's a, the complete deal is a first round pick mm-hmm. for those two guys. And Gregor has been talking about it. By that time, it'll be two and a half months. It would. I mean, listen. Incredible vindication for Jason. Not but that the he first needs it, ten but minutes of the show at two o'clock the next day are going to be. Well, I'm no. definitely tuning in. Yeah, I'm telling you that. By the way, I'd we, be happy for him. We do have plans for deadline day. I don't know that we're revealing them yet, but we do have plans for that. Yes. You know, I, I thought the dancing. You know the, the leg kicking dancing thing was a lot, but I've been practicing and I think I can do it. We have some we have some big moves planned for when the blockbuster trade hits. There will be a dance number, and it will be videoed. <laughs> it will be on TikTok. Oh, it'll be on everything. <laughs> and nobody's shaving anything, I promise you. All right, Pro Hockey Rumors on the way. Uh, there was a waiver claim. We'll tell you about it next. Lowdown with Low Tide on Sports 1440. Now that's a love song. Don't you worry. It's the Lowdown on Sports 1440 for WolfGMCBuick.com. Check them out. You know, the, the Rolling Stones did a lot of great country songs. One of them was an outtake from the Some Girls album. It's called No Spare Parts. If you haven't heard it, there's two or three different versions online. Check it out.
Brilliant stuff. But that's a great one. Great poll there, Donovan. Well done. Thank you. Okay, it's time for rumors, and there's some things going on in the world of the NHL. The Penguins have claimed forward Matthew Phillips off waivers from Washington. Phillips is the undersized sixth-round pick from 2016 with Calgary Flames. He had major, major years in the AHL. He scored 31 and 36 goals in two separate years. Could not get in to the lineup in Calgary. Washington ended up signing him uh, July of 23. And he's played down there, but sparingly, as the kids say. 27 games, a goal, and five points. What he hopes for, I'm sure, is that he gets on a line with one of the big-time forwards, you know, centerman, Crosby or Malkin, in Pittsburgh, and does a number. He has skill. He's undersized. This would be a huge chance for him. This is not the tie ratty moment, but it's similar. I think this young man is a little more talented. Need to revamp the fourth line. Okay, let's do that. So the first thing you need is a right-handed center who can win face-offs. Derek Ryan is good, but he's not a fast train. So let's say we'll add a little size and we'll add some speed, as much speed as we can. So who is a fourth-line center who has size and speed, can win face-offs and penalty kill? There's like none. Because there are, anybody who can do that is like the second line center. It's the what the Vegas Golden Knights did was they created a fourth line that became not their fourth line. So people give all kinds of credit to to Roy and that line, but they're not really the fourth line. And the Oilers are never going to have a fourth line that plays twelve minutes because they have a McDavid line and a Drysaddle line. The trick is, I think, is to not turn it into a spare parts line. And that's what Dave Tippett did. It was basically, we're, we're going to wait for an opportunity to double shift Connor McDavid, and we're going to put him out there with two guys who will hammer the puck square, and we'll see if he can score. And God loved Connor McDavid. Sometimes he would. But I don't think that's the kind of thing you should be doing. It would be nice if they could get... I always thought it would be great to develop a young player... Um, Raphael Lavoie, you put him up on the second line if he has to slide back to the fourth line. They don't really do that in Edmonton. They they have really slowed played everybody. So right now, Vegas, their fourth line is uh, Kolasar, who's really a good player, uh, Byron Froze, and uh, Jonas Ronberg. And they're, they're meh. They're not the fourth line because the Barbashov-Roy-Marchessau line is the two-line and the Howden-Stevenson-Stone line is the one line. And Paul Cotter is an interesting player. He's playing with uh, Amadio and Carlson right now. I don't. I, I think fourth lines are doomed. They only last a little while. The best fourth line I recall the orders having was Boyd Devereaux, Jim Dowd, and George Larocque around the turn of the century. They were very good. And they lasted maybe a year. I think the fourth line for the orders could be reset quickly. And I know why they don't want to play Dylan Holloway there. But for me, Dylan Holloway, if he was just a little more experienced, you know what I'd like to get? I, I don't, Boone Jenner would be a third-line center. Yeah. And so would Mike Lawton. But mm-hmm. I like both of those guys. 
And I, I honestly, I've said it before and I'll say it again. I would prefer they acquire a center because you can always move people around. You, you know, second line right winger. But if you've got that, if you have, the, if your centers are Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, Ryan McLeod, Boone Jenner, and Dylan Holloway, and Derek Ryan, well, you can, you can make some moves there. You can move two of those cats to the wing and not worry about it. So maybe your opening night NHL playoffs depth chart at center is McDavid, Dreisaitl, Jenner, and Dylan Holloway. And now you you can move people over to the wing. And, I, I mean, I like that. I like Ryan McLeod on the wing. I think he makes more sense than than Dylan Holloway on a line with Leon. I, I don't think they're going to do that, but I think if you're looking to reconstruct the fourth line, you start with the center. Do you think there ever comes a point where they break up that first line? Yes. Is, yeah, and put Nuge as the 3C and then drop McLeod down to 4C. Could very well happen. Yeah. And especially if you, had, if, you, if you had Nuge as the 3C and you had a right-handed center as the right wing who could win face-offs. Mm-hmm. Because Nuge's big thing is he's not great at the face-off circle. But if you had him on a strong side all the time to win face-offs, he would. He'd win more of them. And... You, you would want that line to be a very responsible line. They're not going to score a lot, but they could outscore. Yep. And that would allow... Now, who would you put up on the top? Like, That's first, what I was going to say. I yeah. mean, like, though you're kind of... Like, I, I think, of what, it has to be Evander Kane? Well, yeah, because, you, you know, Kane and McDavid have played together, yeah. and, and uh, you keep Hyman there. You yeah, keep you, Kane there. Yeah. And, I mean, I get... Like, Here's why you can't put Corey Perry there because he's not fast enough. Yeah. Kane is fast. Yeah, you know Kane's a very good skater. Yeah, Kane um, can score. I mean, oh, he hasn't. Yeah. yeah, like he hasn't. He hasn't done it. Well, he's going to score thirty goals this year. There's still people say, "Yeah, he's no good." Okay, yeah. and he then, doesn't outscore. He needs. He's a complimentary scorer, but he's a good one. So in that scenario, Warren Fogel would he would have to be the second line left winger, right? I would think so, yeah. unless you unless you really were asking a lot of Holloway. Uh, but I don't think yeah. I don't think you like I. The reason they have Holloway on third line wing is because he's not going to play enough on the fourth line. Yep. So, I, I, I it's something to look at more than we thought uh, a couple weeks ago for sure. Especially like we talked about the defensive irresponsibility from that first line. Now, I mean, it might like well, they, there, there comes a point where it comes back to bite you. Well, that that to me was the like they they've just not only have they not been uh, sharp offensively but they're doing foolish things defensively and like oh. Nuge not getting the puck out he, yeah. that, that he's money with that and you could say it's luck but they're playing so poorly i think luck is no longer in the chat it's it's now they're just not playing well does this does this whole conversation seem a little moot to you because of what seems to be a predetermined acquisition at the deadline probably okay but here's what i want to know but you you got to wonder if things don't fall fall into place things don't go their way Here's what I wonder about, because I was looking at Chris Johnston at The Athletic, and his two names of the orders on there are Warren Fogel and Philip Broberg. So let's just say we've got a first-round pick, we've got Philip Broberg, and we've got Warren Fogel, and we're going to market. You can get a really good player with two of those asks, first yeah. and Broberg or first and Fogel. I'm not saying you get Gensel, but you you might get Toffoli or you might get a really good winger. But could you get Boone Jenner? For those packages? Yeah, for two of those three. Yeah. Um, oh, Boone Jenner would be a great ad. Boone Jenner would be a great ad. I I don't know. I think you're asking a lot, honestly, of Columbus. Um, well, they've got a new GM. They do. 
Uh, first big move is shipping out captain. I it would ha- I think it would have to be a pretty enticing package to Columbus, and I don't know if that does it for me. Yeah. And that's fair. Yeah. And, and you also have to ask yourself, it's like the Gensel deal. People are like, well, get Gensel. But if he's really available, other teams have more quality prospects yes. and picks to give. The owner's pick is between 24 and 32, and there's still people who aren't. I'm convinced Broberg will play in the top four. But a lot of people aren't. Yeah. So well, what is his value? Well, we're, we're about to find out. I, I hope they keep him. And the other thing that you kind of check down to this question, which is, is Broberg worth more than Kulak? And could you trade Kulak at the deadline, move Broberg in there, and trust that that's going to work? I don't know. My, my, my thought is the Oilers would not do that. Ken Holland really likes veterans, and I know they really like Kulak. Holland has done a pretty nice job with the free agents that he signed and the people that he's kept when he traded for them, like Kulak, and then signed them. Uh, there are a lot of pieces on this roster, and some of them are making too much money, no doubt about it. But they can play. Kulak has had really good success in the postseason for the Oilers. I think they'd be hesitant to move him. That's I w- my feeling. I would think Broberg has more trade value than Kulak. Would you agree? I think so, but I I really value... I, o- I overvalue prospects, I admit that. But I think he would, especially and, to a team like Columbus. And then my question is, if Kulak does get moved... How like how would Broberg look as a pairing with Vinny? I don't think that's a good. I don't think they'd be a good pairing together. Well, probably not. Um, but I do. I think they're going to add a seventh. I think it might be yeah. a right-handed guy. I think the guy uh, Carrier in Nashville. Yep. You yep. know that he was like plus one, and they lost nine two or something like that. Pretty impressive. Yeah. Pretty impressive. Crazy. Still lost nine two, but pretty impressive. I've already seen Columbus say Jenner isn't going anywhere. Never believe general managers this time of year. There's a new one there too. So. Yeah. They just, they they say stuff and then, oh, well, we got this last minute deal. Jenner has to wave to come here. Well, I don't think that's impossible. It's a wrinkle, but again, like, I don't think that is the be all end all. Some people make it out to be. Yeah. Broberg and DeHarnay played a lot together in the AHL, right? They played together, but I don't know about a lot. I'd have to go back and look at it. I do follow it, but I don't, I don't recall off the top of my head. All three of those pieces for Jenner, John Davidson be damned. Well, John Davidson is from here, isn't he? From He's from southern Alberta? I believe he is. Maybe he's from B.C. Okay. Um, yeah, we, we've heard that, uh, like I... Ken Holland told Daniel Nugent Bowman not long ago that he doesn't want to move Broberg. Mm-hmm. But that <clears throat> the, there's a comma there. I don't want to move Broberg, but if it means getting the guy, now oh, I think he would sure. I think he would not trade Broberg for somebody who's on an expiring contract. I don't think he'd go for Gensel. But if the guy had another year or two that he could tack on, like Ella Eckholm, Brogel Brogel. Broberg, Fogel, First, and Lavoie for Kent Johnson and Jenner. There are they still down on Kent Johnson in Columbus? Truthfully, I I really don't know. Um, but you've you've got to think that that's probably not enough, considering that Kent Johnson was recently was he what what is what was he fifth was he fifth overall? Yeah, yeah, he was. But I they they 
they remind me of the California Golden Seals right now, where they they draft players. Do you know the California Golden Seals? They had a guy named Charlie Simmer, who they drafted, and by the by the middle of seventy four seventy five, he was playing really well. And at the end of the year, they said, "Yeah, we're we're we're." Just, he he wasn't. He was just a kid. They said, we don't want him anymore. And he got signed by the LA Kings, and he became part of the Triple Crown line. And he scored 50 goals a year, went to Boston, scored 50 goals. Craziness. Organizations do weird things. Uh, AH says, LT, we need a big physical fourth-line center that can PK. Everyone blames Brown and Yanmark, but they haven't been on the ice when we got scored on. Five-on-five or PK. Much as I like him, Ryan is the weak spot on the fourth line. Four of the six goals against on the PK – were under, he was on the ice when they were scored on. The other two came with McLeod. Well, I, I'm, I am very hesitant to use PK goals against as any kind of metric because it's such a small sample size. And if you look at Ryan, the 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 bulk of his work, he's been very good. And I'm a little, I'm a little uh, worried about the PK because it was going so well. And I wonder if teams have figured out how to MacGyver what the Oilers are doing. I see the Oilers chasing a lot. Their, sk- their forwards especially are skating a lot on the PK. And they don't seem to be getting to the plays. And last night there was at least two rebounds that nobody had. A, nobody, there wasn't an Oiler within 10 feet. And I think CeCe was within 10 feet on one of them. And that's a really dangerous sign. That means that they're out of position by the time the the rubber hits the road on the shot and the rebound is killing them. Hmm. Anyway, th- th- they'll do better, I promise. Uh, Coyotes have called up Matt Velata. Uh, he might be in the lineup when they see the orders on Monday. Mike McCarron, two-year extension by the Predators. The Flames made some moves. Dryden Hunt and uh, has been brought up from the Calgary Wranglers, and Dan Vladar has been activated. That means Cole Schwint and Dustin Wolf are going back down. Uh, Rangers of a career called Matt Rempe, and the Sabres were called an old name, Kyle Clegg, back in the uh, NHL, and they reassigned Dustin Tokarski. Old as the hills and twice as dusty. That's my man, Dustin Tokarski. All right. So on the way in hour number two, we have... Two terrific features, and we want you to stay tuned for them. One is Declinations. It's going to be the double album, Exile on Main Street, five best dynasties, and both of you are going to do it. Is that correct? That is the plan. Me and Donovan both have our own top five made up. So this is like dueling banjos, dynasties? Uh, Yeah, I mean, it's not quite as deliverancey, but uh, I would say it's... uh, I think it's exactly as deliverancey, you know. Well, we it's your to, show, so if you say so. Flip it to see who Ned Beatty is, but we'll do that later. And then Tyler, your M check out 120. It's all on the way. Low down with low tide. It's time for a sports update.